show is sponsored by HiveMind CRM. It is more than just a CRM. It is a real estate and business mastermind that comes with an all-in-one CRM. You can have unlimited websites and users. You can call, text, RVM, and email all-in-one user interface. And you can set up custom automations for any type and multiple businesses. 65% of companies start using a CRM system within the first five years of business. Once implemented, the HiveMind will save you on marketing, give you more time, and make more money. One of our users had his first $100,000 month using our system in June. We want to see you automate and accelerate your business. Text us at 210-972-1842 for future meetings and of course to get our $1 course on how to make more than six figures on one land deal. You can schedule your free demo today at HiveMindCRM.io. All right. Uh, this is uh, this is we use, we usually switch it up sometimes on our calls. Uh, we sometimes we do interviews, sometimes we meet with our users, sometimes we just talk about random stuff. And we educate people on different things. Uh, today we actually have a guest. Today is Tasha. Um, she's a well-renowned business expert, and uh, we're just here to have a conversation and see where this goes. So we had a previous conversation and a previous call in a different mastermind. So I wanted to have a separate conversation to see where we can take this and uh, wondering what the conversation will be. So first of all, Tasha, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, entrepreneurship history, um, what you did in the past, kind of the basic overview so people get to know who you are? Yeah, absolutely can. First of all, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be able to share with your community. Um, I am originally from Chicago. So I was born and raised on the South side of Chicago. And I, it was like, you know, I had the American dream, excuse me, I'm, I'm fighting off a cold, but I had the American dream, like in my sights. I was like, I don't want to be poor anymore. And, you know, I'm going to get an education and I'm going to go to the best colleges and I'm going to get the best jobs. And I'm going to be a president of a company one day. Right. Because that's all I knew. Right. I figured that that was what success looked like. And I modeled my path after that. So I went to a top university. I got a job with a Fortune 50 company. And I thought that I was going to just move up in the company and I was going to be happy. But what happened was, you know, well, first, I just didn't feel like I fit in. For me, like, um, I was a young Black girl, right? And different people might have different reasons that they feel like they don't, that they don't fit in somewhere, but that was what it was for me. And I never quite found my stride. I always felt like I had to pretend and be somebody else in order to be successful. And I was just like, well, that sucks. Like I can't even be me on my own path to success. Like I hate it here and not at the job. Like I really actually liked my job in a lot of ways, but um, the other thing that I started to find was in corporate America, they're always asking, how do we do things last year? How do we do this last year? And you, they use that as the barometer for the future. And when something goes wrong, everything rolls downhill. So I'm the, I'm the most junior analyst. And I found myself getting blamed for things that were out of my control. And I'm just like, do I look like a magician to you? Like there's literally a flood in Thailand right now. You think I'm going to be able to get product from there? How? Like, tell me, how do you think I'm going to do that? 
So I just became very disillusioned with my time in corporate America, and I thought that my skills could be better used elsewhere. Not only that, but I started to see that, you know, in corporate America, there were first generation uh, corporate, there were people who were first generation corporate who were making more money than they've ever made before but they were still living paycheck to paycheck. And I was like, you know what? I think I can do something about this. And um, that's how I started my business. And that was my entry into entrepreneurship. And that was almost 10 years ago before this, like, you know, now you can throw a penny and it's going to bump into a coach. Back then, that wasn't quite the case. So I've been around for a while. That's good. That, that's awesome. So I, I, I really like, so you grew up outside Chicago. I'm actually, I grew up in Hammond. Okay, not far at all. Not far Indiana. at all. Indiana, my mom goes to play the boat out there. <laughs> I'm, I'm a skip and a hop from Illinois. I always tell people like, I grew up in Chicago because Chicago's so big, it stretched to Indiana. And it's Wisconsin too. And like people are like, what? They don't, they don't understand that unless you've been to Chicago. So <laughs> I, I, I love that. I didn't know you're from Chicago. Do you still live in yeah. Chicago? I live in Atlanta right now, but all of my family, I'm the only one in Atlanta. All my family is in Chicago. Okay. That's awesome. And then uh, 10 years of entrepreneurship. So that, that's even, that's even, that's an accomplishment. Um, I'm not going to ask your age, but you're, you're, you're a young woman. And just to be doing that for so long, it shows that you've found your, your niche and your stride. And mm. I think we've had a conversation with a lot of entrepreneurs that they, and like every, there's no, like your first business, if you, if you have a successful first business, you're lucky. <laughs> and sometimes you get to get punched in the face a few times to overcome that. And then you, you grow from every time you get punched in the face mm-hmm. and you have a lot better experiences. And a lot of people don't understand that. And people that coming new into entrepreneurship, they just like, they don't understand that there is trials and tribulations. There is going to be a struggle that you're going to have to face. Yeah. And it may last for a very long time. <laughs> that part that part right there and more than likely it will last for a very long time no, I think I saw one of those videos that you posted it was like recovering from financial trauma or something like that and then I was, I was watching another video where you were talking about um, like how gratitude can di- directly convert into capital and that this I was like wow okay so I was really really uh pleasantly surprised because this is not a, a normal conversation right in the uh, financial world or in, even in business or in marketing and it's something that I think about and talk about all the time so I want to know where did that come from that mindset so tell me what are what is the thing that you think about all the time I think that the way that a person I guess acknowledges reality right the way that you interact with your space creates mm-hmm what you have, what, what any person might consider abundant. So it doesn't have to be financial abundance. It doesn't have, I mean, it could be an abundance of friends, an abundance of love, an abundance yeah. of good health, even just an abundance of, 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 of having a happy life. And I think that, you know, if you, so here's what I do when I go into meditation, I'll be by myself sitting alone, right? Early in the morning before everybody's up or sometimes in the middle of the night, if I can't sleep three in the morning, I just hop up and I start meditating and I don't do I have no meditation goal except gratitude. That's the only frequency that I try to find uh, as, a, as the goal. If I have a goal for my meditation, that's all I'm looking for. So just program gratitude. And then I'll notice that the days that I do that or the mornings that I start my day off like that, everything just easily flows to me. I get easier deals, easier business connections. Like everything's, every phone call is magical. Like everything that was a problem the day before has evaporated. And 
it's just only gratitude and nothing else. And it directly leads to more business, more cash, more deals, uh, more connections. Um, and that's the only thing that I think that's the only thing I need when I meditate. Awesome. So you said, you know, now I know exactly what you're talking about. It has my brain going in all these different directions. And, you know, when I think about where did that come from? It came from growing up on the south side of Chicago, not knowing where my next meal was going to come from. And, you know, not being so caught up in the things that I need next, but being really appreciative for everything that I have right now. And what I found that, you know, you were talking about how we engage with our reality is everything. And when I was younger, I would really wonder, like, what is it that sets successful people apart from people who are not successful? And this is something, right, because I live in, I would live in the hood of Chicago. And so you would see that there is only a certain amount of people who are able to make it out. And the vast majority of people stay right where they were born. And I just started to wonder like, what is the difference between these people who never make it out and the people who do? And when I started to realize was that the people who are able to grow beyond their circumstances are people who are very intentional about how they engage with their reality and their circumstances. So you can be, the type of person who feels like life happens to you, like, oh, this just happened to me, or, you know, um, I'm a product of my environment, or, you know, these are the cards that I was dealt. Or you can be the type of person who believes I can create whatever reality I want, regardless of the hand that I was dealt. Like, this is the hand that I was dealt. And I'm creative. Like, I'm smart. I have a brain. I can figure this out. Like, nothing is impossible to me. Like everything that was created in front of me, somebody created from their mind. So surely I can create things from my mind. And I noticed that having that type of internal conversation, one that was wired in growth was critical for people to be able to achieve success. And then what I also started to see was that your, what you focus on plays a huge role in that. So when you start to, and I, I, I saw this whole world of affirmations coming up, right? And I love affirm, affirmations, but with, with affirmations, you are trying to create a reality that doesn't exist yet a lot of the time. When you focus on gratitude, gratitude, you're being grateful for something that has happened to you, is something that is there, is something that is tangible, it's something, right? It like puts you in a whole different frequency, not with something that you wish you had, but with something that's actually tangible to you. And now you feel like you are in the uh, frequency to create more of that reality, like the things that you are appreciating, you can create more and better things when you're in that space. So that's why I think um, gratitude and uh, just mindset in general is so, so important when it comes to building wealth. Yeah, that's amazing. That's a, it's a very, I, I say it's rare, but I've met people that say that it's not a rare way to think and a way to live your life. And there's, I don't think there's exactly one place that you can go to harbor all of this information because you can get certain people's viewpoints and their take on it. But I think it's more of a culmination of like everything that I've ever read before, everything I've ever experienced in my life where I ended up here. And I feel like it is kind of rare to meet people that are in that mind space. I'll tell you just a quick story. Um, for the last couple of years, something that had been real heavy on my mind has been like the way that the world, like the, the capital in the world has been misappropriated. 
right? And you have these wars going on and all this weird stuff happening. And some people like just to not make it through their day without getting a bomb, right? You know, to blow their family up. That was a good day. And I had just been, it's been on my mind a lot for the last couple of years. So several times, like just waking up in the morning and just being in the shower, like I almost felt like, you know, almost like just tears of joy and appreciation and gratitude because like we have hot water, you know, we have like a clean water coming out of the pipes. There's no chance that my kids are going to get hit by an explosion today. And it was just a meditation, like just not even intentionally, just something that was just on my mind for the last couple of years. And then in Texas recently, you know, earlier uh, this, this year, we had like a major, major freeze where lots of, I mean, large parts of Texas were completely without power and water for days and even weeks in some cases. And uh, I was living in an area where just a couple streets over, there was a lot of places that didn't have power and electricity. People were having to go stay at other people's houses. It was a, a freeze, you know, it was just ice cold. And uh, Texas had never experienced anything like that before. And um, we didn't lose uh, heat, cold or water or electricity, not even for one second. And I just had to think that I was like existing in this magical place just because of all the appreciation that I've had for just those bare necessities that other people would take for granted you know this is like mad coincidence or what <laughs> that's beautiful so yeah. I, I think me and me and anthony talk about this all the time because i think i think happiness has something to do with it too because not that not that you have to be happy to be a successful entrepreneur i just feel like it breeds more successfulness because you share me and me and anthony have this conversation a lot is that we always try and whenever, no matter who we talk to, we don't know we're forever going to exchange a conversation with them again. So we always make sure we always have a pleasant conversation with them just because that may better their future. If you really think about it, that one turn, that one conversation and come and interaction they may have had with you can total change the projection of life. So we try and we try yeah. and we try and instill and make a meaningful conversation no matter who we talk to. I agree. I offer um, free consultations to people who want to work with me one on one in my financial coaching business. And one of the things, one of the stories that I tell myself is that conversations are the thing that grow my business. It's the conversations that I have with my coaches um, and with my potential clients and with my clients, like those conversations, those are the things that are going to grow, that will grow my business. And even when I'm talking to potential clients, whether, you know, you get to a point where you feel like, oh, they're not going to register. And it's like, it doesn't matter. My job is to really serve them to the best of my ability in this 30 minute call that I can do the best job I can for them possible. And then let the chips fall where they may. So let's just kind of dive into that. Tell us a little bit about your business you're currently running now or businesses that you currently operate in and what type of services you offer as far as in that niche? Yeah. So, um, it's funny you mentioned how like businesses go through different iterations. And I started my, my first business was called start young financial. So I was a 24 year old millennial and, you know, my generation was just coming of age, our generation. And I was like, you know, I want to be the voice that teaches them about money. And I knew nothing about being a coach. And so I was thinking that I wanted to create a business that looked like all of these professional businesses that I saw. So I really thought that, you know, I had already internalized this idea that I had to be a certain way to be able to be successful. And then two years in, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to work. Like, I honestly, it probably was more than two years in, but eventually I changed my business to Gotta Stay. 
And goddess day means that I acknowledge your power to create the financial future that you want. Like I acknowledge your power and ability to create your financial uh, future. You're not powerless. You're not helpless. You're not hopeless. You're the only one who has what it takes to create the change in your life that you want to see. And that was my first step in really claiming my own business identity. I had already been a business owner for over two years, but I was trying to make it look a certain way. And um, because I have a lifestyle business, like I am the face of my brand, I realized that I really needed to be more authentic. And so because I offer one-on-one -on -one consultations and I always have, I get a lot of insight into exactly what my clients are saying and what they're dealing with. That's like marketing gold. Like I can speak in their language directly because I get it directly from them. And I realized like they're a lot like me. They come from places where I came from and they want the same things that I wanted. And we're all looking for success and we're all scared deep down that we're not going to have it. And when I start mirroring that language back to them, right, and being authentic with who I am, that's really when things started to grow for me. And so I realized, you know, I didn't have a clear plan like a lot of business owners have now. <laughs> they have it all laid out. But it's like having that minimum viable product, you know, like before you even get started, before you even jump in, having that, you know, what is that one small thing that you can start to offer to see who are your clients, what do they want, and what do they need, because sometimes those things are different. So now I offer one-on-one -on -one financial coaching for clients. I help clients create financial systems that increase their net worth in 12-month periods of time. So everything I do is very strategic. Um, even though I'm a wealth coach, I think I act like a project manager. So it's like, we have a project. The project is to build your wealth by X amount in 12 months. This is how we're going to do that. And then I also offer group coaching um, and I create uh, journals like gratitude journals and financial journals and affirmation journals and stuff like that. That's awesome. No, I, 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 I like I some people. Some people need the just a coach in general. I, I wish. I wish I would have sought like a coach or mentor sooner because it, 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 in my first business per se, it just, it helps you shortcut and overcome obstacles that somebody has already overcome or know how to overcome. And really? like, there, there's different level. I always tell people there's different levels to business. Like if you're a solopreneur, you have solopreneur problems, but so you hire your first employee. Now you have an employee problems and it kind of scales as you grow that in that employee business per se. And then yeah. millionaire, millionaire revenue problem businesses have millionaire revenue business problems that you'll never recognize or even see till you hit, hit that step. So there's always, there's always another a step, a mentor, a mentee that you should always be looking up to, to hit that next level, because there's always going to be another trouble or something that's going to come in your path that may put you down. And some people never get past that. Yeah. And when you say that, you know, I originally started off with group coaching and then I was getting burnt out and I wanted to do go to digital products. And it's just like, you know, having a coaching business and a digital product business are very different things. And I was like, oh, I'll give myself three months to like get this ramped up. Like, oh, my God, that could have took me out like that. That could have took me out of the business game right there, just trying to transition from group coaching to product based and not knowing what the heck I was doing. So I appreciate what you're saying so much, like having a coach to help you through those transitions, number one, 
they can help you be realistic. And number two, they can help you not go out of business. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. One thing, one thing I like, and we're, we're, I feel like you resonate on this is tell me the importance of reaching your community and minorities. Cause I know, I know that's a heartbeat of your business and it's a heartbeat of ours as well. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? You know, when it comes to, you know, thinking about who I'm, who my community is first and foremost, you know, I, it's not even like a lot of, it's not a lot of effort or thought that goes into it. I'm just working with me. I'm working with my mom. I'm working with my brother. I'm working with my sister. I'm working with people who are operating in that image. You know, like when I see people who I know what that story is like, I know what it's like to, um, you know, be in college and sending money home, you know, like though when I, and when I'm, when I'm, when I'm looking at those people, it's just like, I'm just talking to me. I'm talking to my little sister. I'm talking to my older cousin. And it's not some whole backstory behind, you know, like I'm trying to, well, one one thing I will say is I really want to transform the statistics on Black wealth. So they say that, you know, Black wealth is going to zero by the year 2053. And I hope that the work that I do, the work that so many other people in this community, because there's a vast community of wealth builders who are out here having this conversation. And I just noticed that, uh, is it Bloomberg or, I can't remember, somebody has a Twitter index right now, like a Twitter financial index. Like what is the sentiment on Twitter with this stock? Like what? That is insane. Do you see the power that our generation has? And so I want to be able to change the trajectory of what those numbers look like for people in my community. And I also care about the fate of humanity as a whole. Absolutely 100%, 10 toes down, no doubt about it. I care about the state of any human being who is going without the right of being financially free and not having to worry or stress about money, period. Um, and so I could really relate when Anthony was just saying how he was thinking about how other people live. And it's like, it should be a right for us to not have to worry and stress out about money. And I can't, I don't have a magic wand to make that available for everybody, but my job is to make that for everybody who looks like me to never have to worry about money again. Everybody who comes under the sound of my voice and not just people who look like me, but everybody in general. So I hope that answers your question. No. I, uh, I, I, I like, I like, I like, I like, I never thought about it looking at my family. Cause like, um, yeah, like I said, I, I grew up, I grew up in same, same situation as you, man, it's, it's just crazy to think about, but I've seen, right, it's like, we, you don't look like me, <laughs> you don't look a whole lot like me, right, but in the same, right, like, same story, same hope, same dreams, who am I to deny that, I'm absolutely nobody to deny that, I want to see everybody win. And I know we have like these whole backstories about why people should be fighting other people. <laughs> but I'm just not very invested in those narratives anymore. Yeah. And that, that comes with your, your entrepreneurship experience. A lot of people, they, they fall under certain narratives and certain complications that they, they feel like they can never aspire or reach. And I think once you realize the only thing limiting you is up here, you move past it. You grow past it. 
I think it's huge. But it really, you know, I mean, in getting to this space, I get to see that there are real structural and institutional roadblocks to where I am today. And I make the choice that nothing, I'm not going to let anything stand in my way, right? Like, if, if I look at the things in my life that I could have succumbed to, they're plentiful, you know, and this, that's just the reality of it. But you know, it's hard to have these conversations because there are some people who are so engulfed in reality that their mindset is, well, this is how it is. What can I do about it? And it's like, man, I really get that. But even though that might be the case, it's not going to forward anything. It's not going to help anything. And so I think like, instead of looking at what's true or what is reality, it's like, what is helpful and what is beneficial? So I think, um, I, I think, I think one of the beautiful benefits in the day and age we live in now is the information age. And I think that's one of the biggest factors that oppressed minorities was information, education. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity nowadays because people, people have their own, their own platforms and their own positions to create their own, their own education and help people. And I think it's huge with the 21st century and in the day and age we live in now more than our parents were because we didn't, they, they didn't have that technology either. So I think, I think the day and age we live in being, I'm a millennial as well, I'm 29. So it's kind of cool having, and being able to position ourselves to help more people because of the information age. Absolutely. It's like no excuses. My nephew was talking to me. My nephew is 10. He was talk, talking me through how to update my iPhone yesterday, word for word, without looking at anything. I'm like, how do you know this? He's like, yeah, iPhone just came out with a new update. There's so many different new uses. I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, I just watched it on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I think that the technology that these kids are walking around with and like it supersedes the hardware that, that we have, you know, um, and I think that's kind of where the world's headed. I'm actually with one of my buddies right now. His name's Evan, and uh, he's he's big into crypto. And, you know, we were trading in 2017 and uh, he's always done consistently well with it. But we want to launch our own token. And mm. I think that there's something that I talk about a lot. And it's that the, the world capital, right? All the capital in the world has been centralized. You know, only a select few had access to like these vast stores of wealth that were gonna last thousands of years. But I think through decentralization, you know, community um, stuff that we're talking about where it's not just about making one person wealthy, it's making your whole community wealthy. I think the cash, we can actually redistribute the wealth on the global wealth. Call me crazy, call me a dreamer, but I just feel like, we're not going to be, you know, based on fiat currency or precious metals anymore. You know, we're moving into a space where people are going to start to trade, you know, uh, crypto. Like, so the only thing that gives crypto value is what the community says that it's worth. And I think we're living in a time where like uh, any finance on the planet, any type of currency is becoming decentralized. So I think we're going to see a massive redistribution of wealth for the next hundred years. And I feel the same way like you do. Like, I'm just happy to be playing a part of it. I don't even need a large chunk for myself. I just want to just initiate the collapse, if you would, which I mean, redistribution. <laughs> yeah, that's such an interesting point. And, you know, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot, right? What will it take to read, to have um, more, not even a more equal wealth distribution, but what would it take to not have such a hyper- inequitable wealth distribution like it's just 
so out of control. And so when I think about this, I really wonder what are the structures that allow this to be in play right now? even with, with the type of currency that we have, with the type of social structures that we have, with the institutions that we have, and you will start to see how very complicit we all are in how all of these structures operate. And I don't mean it in a bad, like that's what it is to live in a system, right? It's systemic. We all play a part in, the, in, a, in how these things perpetuate. And the truth of the matter is that if we wanted a different type of wealth distribution, we could have that be right now. We wouldn't need any type of new currency. We wouldn't need uh, any, I mean, I like de decentralization, but we wouldn't need that if we really wanted to uh, have a more equitable wealth distribution. I mean, we, there's so many things that we could do in our playbook right now. And so the reason I bring that up is because, you know, we, we have to know Nobody is kind of coming to save us, not Bitcoin, you know, not NFTs, you know, not the metaverse. None of these things are inherently by themselves gonna cause any difference in wealth distribution by themselves. The only thing in my opinion, and I don't know, right? I'm not, I don't know a whole lot about crypto and stuff like that, but just when I think about these things, I think that, you know, this has to come from the collective will of the people, just like any revolution. Technology has to be a tool of the will, the collective will of, the, of a, a tipping point of people, I'm thinking. And, you know, from what I know right now, I know that Bitcoin is... Um, a decentralized currency. And I think it may be the only decentralized coin right now. Um, and NFTs and all these things, they're blowing up way faster than I can even begin to start to conceptualize what the heck is going on. But I'm so interested in learning. And do you guys know the the, the dude who does impact theory? Have you heard of that uh, podcast? No, I've never heard of that. Anthony, have you heard of that podcast? What is it called? Impact theory. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I watched probably a hundred of those. Okay, cool. Because I'm like, if you're trying to create your own coin, that's the guy to watch. I've been trying to catch up on his videos so I can learn what the heck is going on in this new financial era. Because I'm, I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't even know what's going on yet. But I know that's the guy to follow if you want to create your own coin and stuff like that. Yeah, he has a good way to simplify a lot of things, and he brings on very high-value speakers. Uh, and he asks really, really insightful questions. It's so bomb. Daniel, you got to get in on this. Um, I, I, I just, I, I, like, I, like, I like the advantages of living in this day and age, because I, I feel like they may not be the future, but if something, if, if enough people jump in into that space, it will create value. So if you have the, if you have the numbers and and agreeance of it, say it's a good thing, it's always gonna increase in value. So it, it may be in the future, if, if the money follows, once the people once the people join in, the money always follows because people are always trying to control the eyes and opinions based off of marketing and advertising. So if the people go, every, the money always follows. Oh my, so have you guys watched the movie Ready Player One? Yes. Yeah, just I watched have, it like for the first time. I have okay then it's fresh on your mind because all of this nft metaverse stuff is really giving ready player one in my opinion like you know 
uh, even from uh, buying things in this metaverse, buying properties and having advertisements and stuff inside the game. I'm like, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> I don't even know what to think. Yeah, I think that just currency in general is all it is is a social contract. And it says that whatever you have is worth a certain amount. And then the more people participating in that social contract is what drives the value. And so, you know, as we move into a space where people are going to be hanging out and then like this digital simulated reality, what's going to be valuable in there, right? So you're going to have your, your bare necessities, right? Like even on video games, you collect items and tokens, uh, but also like people are going to want to have clout, right? And if they're wealthy enough to have clout, like my son plays Roblox and uh, you can buy a hat for like $10,000 in Roblox, like a hat, right? And people actually oh, yeah. have them. I'm familiar. So, yeah, to us, we're like, man, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of, but that's where we're headed. So it's not going to blow my mind when somebody drops $20 million on a mansion in the metaverse, right? And everybody's like, that's crazy. I've never heard of that before. But now that guy's automatically going to have social proof that says that, yeah, I'm the guy here, right? And then he's going to start to already have a following and people interacting with them. So it's, you're going to see the same behavior that happens out here happens in there. I think it's going to mimic what's happening out here. I mean, I'm even getting away from the finance aspect, you know, this is all social, right? And I'm just so interested in terms of like the social implications that all of these things will have. The social, the psychological, right? We're, we know that there are going to be some economic consequences as we talk about this through a financial and business lens. But I'm also interested in what this means for us. Uh, for our humanity, for our society, for how we engage as social beings, interest to see to see what all of those things look like. I, I think I think it's uh, it's adapt, adapting early. A lot of people, a lot of people that failed and all, a lot of people that failed to adapt to new technology always get left in the dust. So it's always something as even as a business owner and as an individual to keep your eye on the pulse of it. Because people that never adapted to websites, and I'm sure you talked to them, never adapted to technology and cell phones, they yeah. stand out like a sore thumb in the day, in this day and age. Because they're my parents, you know. <laughs> you have to, you have to. We're we're we're, str we're struggling to inundate them to an iPhone. But yeah. for, for for the day and age and the way we communicate, I hate I hate dealing with freaking companies that still want a fax number like come on, email has been a thing for 30 years. Like, come on, get with, get with the times. So like pe people that deal with that in that robotic business of 30 years ago, you get, you're going to get left in the dust. I think the same thing we're going to start to see is, is, uh, Hey, I'm, let's, let's grab a meeting. I'll, I'll get on a plane and I'll go see you. Like, they're going to be like, what kind of dinosaur are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just hop into the office in the metaverse. <laughs> exactly i'll be i'll be in there in the room in one minute what do we we gotta get a plane nowhere so it's going to be kind of unorthodox to do business like that like to live in that same that same state and then like i think the value exchange as well it's like things are going to be like value is going to be viewed through a different lens i think it's going to be amazing i'm looking forward to it so um, imagine that even hierarchy to even like hey we're having a business meeting and only people that can afford to do have this technology to have a business meeting are able to have this business meeting. So you have to adapt to the times and have that caliber of con connectivity. Imagine the first person who had Morse code. Morse code was expensive back then. And that was the only way to communicate faster than the, than the, than the Pony Express, you know? 
these are such good i mean these are really good conversations to have and i can see that you know i can't say i'm as excited about it and i feel like um while there are I mean, there really is no place that I want to position myself, but I think that the questions that I want to continue to engage with is not, what is this like from, well, it is, right? Because it's like, what financial and business opportunities does this make available? But then we also have to be responsible for what are the costs? And so, you know, I think that you bring up some really good points, like technology evolves and every time it has, you know, there are people who are these relics of a different age and of a different world because they didn't adapt and they had all of these biases about why they didn't want to adapt, right? So um, these are all things that I find really confronting and really exciting to consider at the same time. Oh, go ahead, Anthony. No, I was going to say, yeah, I think we're headed into a very unique place. And I love that your mind just thinks like that. It sounds like you're, it's tethered to, you know, what's going to happen to everybody else, right? What's the cost of that money? And, and what is it going to cost, like, from an environmental standpoint, socioeconomics? So I like the idea that if we can create value that also doesn't hurt or decay something else, I think that's the space where we're moving into, right? Mm -hmm. And how can um, a global bank capture all of the wealth on the planet, right? Because it was, a, it was a very small lens that could see what was happening and somebody captured it first, like first movers advantage, and they just took control of everything. So I think we're gonna start to see the collapse of that. And uh, I think it is gonna be based on not really, not exactly like a traditional like socialist or, or communist model. I think it's gonna be based on somebody providing value and then that wealth spreading into the community just by nature, I think. Um, I'm excited to see what's about to happen. Like I think about the future a lot. Well, that sounds beautiful. It sounds like a beautiful way to think about the future. And I think what I'm in that vein, what I am really excited about is how will businesses continue to adapt, right? If we look at how businesses have adapted to the internet and all of the different things that have happened as a result of that, some of them are exciting. And some of, oh, I was just watching something on Netflix today and they were talking about how uh, email, once email came, all of a sudden people were like super distracted. And now everybody is like, connected to their phone so like what is that gonna mean all right is you know and that wasn't the intention or the purpose of email it was just to give people um an opportunity to not have to sit in meetings all day right you can just or have to go to somebody's office so what are going to be the unintended consequences of businesses operating in these types of ways that we haven't even considered yet um and, you know, my background is in psychology and education. So my brain is kind of wired to start thinking about these things. So I, I think I think the way we're heading and it's already happened because of COVID is the work from home model. A lot of a lot of individuals would rather work from home now that they had the opportunity and forced to work from home. And now they understand the advantages of work from home. So now corporations are moving in that direction with a work from home mentality that might have not happened for years if it wasn't for COVID. So just by COVID happening, forced people, forced businesses to transition into a work from home model where now Zoom stock price before COVID was like $40, now it's 400, just because of the ability to connect with people virtually. Yeah. So I, 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 think, I, think, I think COVID, pushed us in that direction even more because we were already heading that direction, but it forced us to adapt as business owners and as individuals. Because now like 
me and me, me and Anthony have been working together for three years. I've only met him physically seven times. Seven times. We, we've lived in different states, 1,500 miles apart, give or take, for the last three years. And we have a sustainable business that we no longer have to be in an, an office environment to operate that business. We can operate virtually. So I think, I think it's definitely, if you can, depending on your business and business type, if you can operate it virtually, you can definitely... I think I think what's going to happen is right now people hire in the U.S. because you need people local people. But what what opens it up is to technology and using the virtual space. It opens up to you. It opens up for you to find talent globally, not just people in your backyard. And I think that's what we're starting to see now is that you're not you're no longer forced to find talent in the U.S. And I feel like as Americans, you should be scared in some in some way because there's talent abroad that can now take your job. Yeah. Yeah. And as you know, one of the, the, and these are things that I have to think about for my clients, right? Because they feel real comfortable and confident with their salaries. And I'm like, you know, what's going to happen 10 years from now? What's going to happen 20 years from now? You know, uh, what are the skills that you're going to have to develop in order to stay competitive? And, you know, and I honestly, I think for me, this is the, you know, I'm 34 and I haven't, I've seen technology shift in a lot of different ways, but the, in this, at this particular time, I think it, I feel the most uncertain for my clients who are trying to build wealth because there's a real question of what is wealth going to look like? What is that even going to mean 10 years from now? <laughs> so much disruption in the marketplace. And so I, and this is, this is, I think, I think you might have to dive in this a little bit deeper for yourself because you as a coach have to keep, make sure your eyes on the pulse for your clients to make sure you can help them adapt to it because not always pe people are stubborn. People are stubborn in their ways. They get, they get comfortable. And it's one of the worst things to do in business is to get comfortable. Like you have to, you have to chase. Yeah. Some, some business owners, once they reach a certain level of status where like, I'm good, <laughs> they feel like they don't have to adapt anymore but what happens is is that the the current changes and now you have to you have to adapt quickly and if you weren't prepared for that you can get left in the dust and you have to pivot into something completely different so i, th I think it's hugely important to keep your eye on the pulse as as a business owner in your own niche because times are changing and they're changing i feel like they're changing quicker than in the past fast fast they're changing so quick these days that you have to you have to stay ahead of it because like i feel like i don't know i was i wasn't born back then i wasn't born in the early 1900s and 1800s but man stuff changes so quick um just the technology i i remember like we're, we're all we're all right around the same age anthony's 40 i'm 29 so we're all within a given range I remember when like cell phones came out and I was in high school and you guys are probably adults. So the transition of cell phones, there was a comedy show I watched recently where like, imagine uh, your, 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 you as a, your husband goes to work for 12 hours, gone for 12 hours, your kids are gone for school and no communication whatsoever. And I'm like, that was me. <laughs> so, I, so first of all, I have a nephew, he's 10. He's on him, him and my niece and nephews, they're on Roblox all the time. So my nephew asked me the other day, he says, uh, Titi, 
did they have uh was tv black and white when you were younger and i'm just like no and i was it was in color he was like oh did you used to write with a feather pen <laughs> like no i did not but you know i often think about you know we have google maps on our phone and stuff like that so it's easy for us to get to one place to another and we can call people whenever we need to call people but one of the things that honestly blows my mind is how did people meet up before like before there were cell phones you just left the house he was like all right i'm leaving the house okay I'll, I'll see you there and then you just leave the house and you just gotta hope and pray that you just meet up, up at the perfect place that you said you would could you imagine you know you get to places like, i thought you were said you were going to be at the store so like no i'm at the other one and it's easy but back then you didn't have any way to like you know communicate once you left the house and so i wonder what are those things that we find just they don't even occur to us as hard because we don't even know what's possible in that arena that are going to become so effortless in the future so uh we i have i have one of my team does my social media and she made a meme i have she has full control over my social media and she made a meme it was a social media content from the past and it was a bunch of old women just gossiping good social media yeah mm. Yeah, I hope I'm I'm interested to see where things go. I I am not as excited about it as you guys are. And you know, I'm not I'm not going to be like a radio shack or anything <laughs> or a blockbuster, you know. Uh we'll see how these things play out and I'll adapt from there. I'm excited to see what these kids are going to do. Like I said, the technology they're walking around with between their ears is way more advanced than ours, so it's like, yeah, let's, let's see let's see what they're about to do. They're going to make ours look kind of funny. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I definitely wasn't expecting our conversation to take this turn, but it was it's really perfect, really perfect. Just the intersection of finance, business, and the future. An accident, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I like to talk about it. What's that? I said on accident, too. What? <laughs> I, got a, I got a one track mind I'm telling you and yeah when I was watching your videos I was like man like this is cool because we should have like part two of this conversation because as much as I enjoy talking about finance and crypto and all this other stuff like I really love talking about like the spiritual aspect of business and how it how it applies and kind of like how to Can you hear Anthony? No, he cut out. Matrix is what I call it. Well, that's something that I'm super interested in and I could talk about it. Hey, can you hear me okay? We lost you for a minute. <laughs> it's all good. Okay, my, well, my uh, back. Yeah, you're back. No. Yeah, you're good. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm in a bad area, yeah, so I got a little bit robotic. Do I'm going to repeat here? We're just going to move on. I, I think I think I think you're out, you're out. Just hold on. <laughs> um, um, uh, go ahead. I, so it's funny. Like he's talking about my videos and reminding me that I have a video on comfort zones, right? And as I'm sitting here, right, like I'm I, I I'm really self aware and I'm aware of how uncomfortable the idea of the metaverse makes me because I don't I already feel to some degree that you know we're just not as social as the people as we once were, you know. 
And, you know, social media sometimes even makes us more antisocial. And I can see all the, the ways that I'm confronted by that and how I'm, you know, working through that. Um, I also watch too many dystopian, uh, or read too many dystopian fiction novels. <laughs> but I have a video on like, you know, getting out of your comfort zone and how like the things that you want most are out of your comfort zone and like really looking at what is the future that you want to create and um, being willing to be uncomfortable in order to make that happen. And so I think one of the things that this conversation has done for me is, you know, having me be comfortable with the idea that I, I'm uncomfortable about it and not letting that get in the way of, you know, being curious about what the future could look like and also being responsible and accountable for the fact that we're the ones who get to create it, right? Yeah. It's not like there's some you know, puppeteer who's going to be able to create it for us. And so if I'm hiding in a corner because I'm scared about what it might look like, then, you know, that's me not contributing to the future that I want to create. So this has been super cool for me. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Well, I'm, I'm glad we could help out with that. I, I think I think it's huge. It's huge. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there and there's a lot of opportunity for the next Netflix and Tesla and all this opportunity in this next transition that somebody's going to pop up and you're like man i had that idea but i didn't implement yep i had that idea and i didn't implement and i think if what is it success is on the other side of failure mm -hmm. <laughs> or success is on the other side of fear it's not necessarily failure it's the fear of what what may happen and i think that's what stops a lot of entrepreneurs too this fear but uh maybe we'll have another conversation about that but i uh let me see anthony's hopping in again might be on his laptop. Um, we, appreciate, we appreciate you coming. We appreciate you coming on this call. It, I think it was a great, interesting call. Like I said, I told you in the beginning of this these calls. I like the conversation and just having interactions with people. And I think it brings back that social aspect that a lot of people are missing in general. So I, I do. I did enjoy this call. You have any input, Anthony? I don't want to loop too far back, but I was hearing about right before I got a call about this dystopian future that, you know, the metaverse might provide. But I think it's just going to be a different form of communication because right now our communication, the only communication we've ever known of since we were, you know, birthed onto this planet is uh, verbally in that. So that was our only form of communication. So that's what we see as the holy grail of communication. But I think the kids are more connected now with other people than they've ever been. It's unorthodox to be sitting at the, at the table with somebody and they're like not tuned in directly to you, but they're like having 7,000 connections on their phone all at once. So I think it's hitting someplace beautiful. Awesome. I appreciate that input. <laughs> um, we always end with a quote. Is there something, a quote either you have or you like that resonates with you as a person or that you mm -hmm. resonate with, not with our audience? Yeah, uh, one of my favorite quotes is that all things are working together for my good. All things are working together for my good. And I love that because as a human, as a business owner, as a financial coach, there are all types of things that are happening in my day to day. And right, when I think about the fact that all things are working in my interest, in my best interest, then I can transmute and alchemize every single situation that's happening around me, even if it might look like it's bad, right? I can transform that, find some silver lining that helps me, you know, just 
take in that energy and use it for my benefit. So I love to, I love the idea that, you know, it doesn't matter what's happening around me. doesn't matter if it looks bad. doesn't matter if it looks good. Everything is actually working out. In your favor. Absolutely. So last of all, where can people find you? What's your Instagram handle? You want to put an email, phone number out there. You, this is your opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you guys are um, looking for a financial coach who can help you create a financial system, I'm all about the financial systems. Um, I call myself a holistic wealth strategist. Uh, and I think Anthony really picks up on that holistic part. And I love it. Um, you can reach me at goddessday.com. I have a quiz over there that you can take to learn your wealth score and your financial personality. I also have an opportunity for you to schedule a free one-on-one consultation with someone from my team. Um, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at goddessdayhq. Um, and yeah, I look forward to hearing from you. Let me know what you thought about this podcast. And if you have any other ideas to ease my mind about this potential dystopian future. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you have it. We appreciate your time. Like I said, uh, I think it was a great conversation and we do appreciate your time. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate both of you. Thank you, Tasha. You were amazing. Thanks, Anthony. All right, you guys have a wonderful rest of your night. Thank you. The show is sponsored by The List Guys. Do you need more leads in your local or virtual market? One in 10 small businesses don't invest in any kind of marketing. The List Guys have over 35 plus list types to choose from and you can mix and match any list or criteria. We also use the skip trace list and provide up to seven numbers and email addresses. Every list you purchase will be scrubbed against previous purchases. The List Guys are here to save you time. Contact the List Guys today at www.1listguys.com. That's www.1listguys.com.